This episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast is brought to you by Tudor Collegiate Strategies. For nearly two decades, athletic departments and coaches have relied on Dan Tudor and his team to create winning recruiting plans, tell effective stories to their prospects, and help get the commitments from the recruits they really want. Bring us in to lead a live recruiting workshop on your campus this year, or talk to us about working one-on-one with you as a client. Visit dantutor.com after the show for all the ways we've been helping to build winning programs and successful college coaching careers and now it's time for the show that's right it's time for today's episode of the college recruiting weekly podcast with your host aspiring competitive eating participant dan tudor today really interesting conversation with an author and motivational speaker that we've had on before, Jamie Beckler, is going to join us. He has a new book called The Captain, and what makes it different than some of his other works is that this is very much meant for teams. This is meant for a coach and his or her uh, team to, to work through, to read through together, because it's all about developing true leadership and getting to a point where what you uh, are able to bring to the table as a competitor rubs off on other people and it also really has a good lesson on uh, on just using the team to be successful not having it be about one person the superstar but what happens when the superstar relies on other people on his team or her team to get the job done to win Um, so fascinating book and really he takes a very original uh, take on leadership this one really does stand out. And again, what I love about it is that this is for a team to work through. This is a book for your entire program to go through together, to discuss, talk about it. He has some great discussion questions that uh, that you can go over when you get the, the materials. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself because I want you to listen to Coach Beckler describe the work that he has produced. Uh, it is off to a great start with uh, with in terms of popularity, sales, and everything on Amazon very popular already with coaches and we want to put it in front of you uh, see if these concepts might resonate and give you some solutions to what your program and team might be going through right now so uh, we talked to jamie beckler about the book and we started off the conversation with a simple question what is it about leadership right now that is so engaging for coaches and and how is this going to be different than other leadership materials, other leadership books that a coach may have read? Well, one of our main philosophies is that everybody can be a leader. It's not just captains. It's not just coaches. It's not just the people that are in charge that are leaders. Anyone can be a leader. And that was what our last book was about, the bus trip. You know, kind of, it didn't matter what your status was. Everybody had a part in the culture. Everybody had a part in making a team better. And, And so that's what the bus trip was about. For this book, The Captain, we wanted to bring it back to more of the traditional leadership. You know, what people think of as a leader is the person in charge, the person that has this big platform, the person that has a position, status, talent. And so that's what this book is about. So we've already addressed uh, the everybody can be a leader because everybody can influence. Now we wanted to specifically dig deeper into those people who have a position. And so We think that there's misconceptions out there about people in position. We see this all the time, whether you're a coach, well, I'm a leader. People need to do what I say just because I have this position or people need to listen to me because I am in charge. Or you see it with captains on a team. 
they expect that they get special privileges or they expect that they don't have to carry the bags or they expect that uh, uh, everybody else is going to look up to them because of their position, because I've earned it. I deserve this. I deserve your respect. Give me your respect because I've earned it as opposed to people will give you respect if they respect you. And so we wanted to, to touch upon some of these issues in the book. And so that's, that's what we did. You know, we, it's about a hot shot, you know, fighter pilot who used to be a star quarterback in college. And he was a Heisman trophy winning quarterback. And he's always had the world by its tail. He's always been talented. He's always had charisma. He's always worked hard too. So this isn't a kid that, you know, we've all seen it. The captains on our team, sometimes, you know, they're, Hey, we got to work hard. We got to work hard. And they're the ones coming in last on the sprints. You know, they're not living up to that, that this guy in the book is not like that. He's a kid that works hard. He is very talented and he experiences success, but it's all individual. He doesn't take other people and make them better. He doesn't inspire his teammates. He's just the talented player that makes himself better, but not the people around him. So we talk about individual success versus team success or a leader that is focused on creating team success. Um, and I'm assuming you sort of saw this out in the world, out in the marketplace, out on in teams where we, it seems like we have become a little bit of a culture of stars. And, you know, I'm picking the college that's best for me. I am promoting myself uh, you know, at the college because that'll help me and my brand and what I can do on social media and, and you know, just on, on through that. Um, was that part of the reason you wanted to sort of take the course that the story takes, which is sort of that transition of, it can't just be about me now, it has to be about making the rest of the people around me better. Absolutely. And, and the book is set it's designed for college kids or high school kids. It's designed for athletes. But I think we also wrote it in such a way that if a bank manager or a coach or an athletic director or somebody, anyone in a supervisory role, if they read it, hopefully something would click with them. There would be this light bulb that would go on and say, you know what, this might be a quarterback. This might be a fighter pilot in the book, but I can I can, I can look at this from where I'm at in my business. And, you know, my wife and I talked about this throughout the process because she, she had a leadership role in her bank and mm -hmm. she dealt with this kind of stuff. How do you make other people better? How do you inspire other people? It's not just about doing your job. You know, we, your audience are coaches that have that recruit well, hopefully, and they bring in good athletes, talented athletes. And hopefully as a coach, you can get those athletes to continue to do their job well. But we all know that it goes beyond that for the success of our team. If we want to maximize our potential on our teams, it can't just be that Dan is doing his job well. The next level is, can Dan get his teammates to do well? Can Dan get Paul to do well? Can Dan get you know, Brian to do well? How can we help everybody? And I've seen this when I was a coach and I've seen this now working with teams and consulting with teams, you know, kids, they're okay with if we lost, if their stat sheet was okay, or, Hey, I'm, I'm working hard. I'm doing my job, but they're watching film with the coach, but they're not bringing in their buddy to watch film with the coach as well. Or you're a quarterback. Okay. You, you, you know what the other team's going to do. You're working on your game. But are you staying after practice to work with those receivers? 
Right. You know, are you are you doing the little things to make everybody more inspired and everybody better and to empower your teammates to do their jobs better as well? Well, I mean, you've been a college coach before, and so I'll, I'll ask you because it, it seems like this is something that you're covering in the book that, and I'm just assuming, did we lose this at some point, lose the ability to, as athletes, as the people on the court, on the field, to want to bring others in, to want to lead? Um, I, where, I guess I wanted, is there a definition point where we went from that model um, to something where it got so individualized, uh, where, uh, you know, a coach is recruiting a bunch of players to the team and they show up, you know, with a freshman class of, you know, eight new kids and it's eight individuals. And of course, then, you know, the big thing now along with leadership is, is developing the right culture. And I think that's and sort of a, a result of eight individuals showing up and it's really hard to get them to work in sync and to give up status um you know one giving up status to the other um so when did, as you were writing the book did you think about when did this happen because there was this shift that seemed to happen in our culture i would i would love to say i could put my finger on that that moment or when it really shifted like you say but i think it's been a slow burn mm-hmm. to a degree and even when i was a coach and and i'll speak to coaches right now is that i think we do fall victim you know in recruiting, we want that five-star athlete, or we want that all-state kid. We want to win that press release, you know, and at the higher levels, you want to win the press conference, but you want to win the press release. You know, it's not really cool to say, Hey, we just got a commitment from Dan. Dan averaged three points a game, two rebounds a game, but man, he was a great team player and he's going to be a great 10th man for us. You know, he's going to be a glue in the locker room that doesn't win the press release. And it doesn't make that family real happy when they're sitting around having cake, you know, at their school, you know, for, for that signing day or that commitment day. So where I'm going with that is, is we kind of feed into this. We want this individual talent. We want the shiny new toys, but then we're not thinking of our culture a lot of times and, and working backwards. Most of us can't just get a collection of talent, individual talent, and then it will play out. It'll work out, work itself out once they get to our school. We have to go about it with this, this, it's a puzzle and we have Mm -hmm. to fit these pieces together to make our team and our culture the best that it can be. So I think along the lines through the years, as coaches, we've started putting up more of an emphasis on the individual, putting more emphasis on, uh, focusing on, all right, you scored 25 points a game, or I'm recruiting you because you're the flashy, shiny new toy, not because you're taking a charge, not because you're doing the little things. We've got to have stats to back that up because we're getting pressure from our administration. We're getting pressure from external forces to to have these great recruits, but they might not be great recruits for our team. We got to find, you know, like Herb Brooks said, and or, or Kirk Russell, who was playing Herb Brooks and, and, you know, the miracle, I'm not looking for the best players. I'm looking for the right players. Mm -hmm. And so as coaches, if we're looking for the most talented players, then we're going to, it's going to be a a circular, you know, eventually we're going to bring in these kids, but it's going to come back around where now we're wondering why they're not fitting into this team concept, why they're not sacrificing for the team. Well, you didn't recruit them as a teammate, as a team member, you recruited them for their individual talent. 
and, and that's maybe going a little bit off on a tangent to what you were talking about, but this whole overall culture hurts our individual cultures on our teams. My, my team is not going to have as good of a culture if I'm focusing on individual and, and I will, you know, I'll, I'll talk with coaches, you know, we'll, we'll praise the kid who has three touchdowns in a game. That'll be the first person we high five or the first person we talk about to the media, but we don't talk about that right guard who, who opened up those holes or those five offensive linemen who opened up the holes for that guy to have three touchdowns. We may talk about them second, third, or fourth, but we're not talking about them very first right? because the kid that scores three touchdowns or the kid that hits that game winning shot, we remember that we don't, that that's fresh on our mind, but the kid who took the charge with 10 seconds to go to even give us the ball back so we could make that shot, that miracle shot. That's the stuff that we need to be praising a lot more as, as a coach and, and as a leader. Right. Um, one other, one other thing I want to say about that is, is you asked kind of when that happened and I still don't know when that happened, but one of the principles in this book is responsibility. Now that seems like, yeah, well, that's obvious. You know, a leader, the captain, a positional leader needs to be, have responsibility. I'm not necessarily talking about responsibility for my actions, even though some of us need to do a better job of taking responsibility for our actions, but taking responsibility for what happens. We play the blame game as good as anybody in human history has done. We as people are always pointing fingers. We're trying to find out who's to blame and we're finding, trying to find out who we give credit to. And we see this from our political leaders. We see this in our families. We see this just in our friend groups. We're always playing the blame and the credit game. And if you want to maximize your team's potential and maximize your leadership potential, you can't get involved in the blame or the credit game. It may not be my fault that Dan made a boneheaded play with with 10 seconds to go in the game, but it's 100% my responsibility to have tried to help him before that so that he's prepared, so he minimizes his chances of making a boneheaded play. And it's 100% my responsibility to now help Dan moving forward so that he has less of a chance of making that play or that boneheaded play in the future. We too oftentimes play the blame game, the credit game. And it's not about that as a leader. It's about how can we take all these people, the collective and get them from where we are to where they need to be. And sometimes it may not be our fault, but it is our responsibility to find a solution. Well, I wanted to dive in, take some time to dive into um, how you found out about my three point a game, uh, two rebounds and all the boneheaded plays in high school. I'm going to move past that though. That'll be a discussion uh, apart from this podcast. Um, so in the book, uh, Brady, main character of the book, the, the captain, that um, and the way that you write the book, it's sort of, it goes in between his high school days and his now you know, role as a fighter pilot. Um, without giving away the, 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 the book, um, he has to make this change that you're talking about uh, to take the spotlight off of him and make sure the rest of his, his team, so to speak, um, uh, does the job that they need to do to get out of the situation that you present in the book, um, which again is why I think it's so good. It is going to be so good for teams and coaches to read this together and discuss this because it's bringing up all the things that you're, you've been talking about. Um, but I guess it, what, what, it, what struck me is 
you know, we're talking about we can't identify the point in the culture where this little shift happens uh, or happened when, you know, we started to make it all about us. And I guess I'm wondering, uh, like in the book, there's this you know, series of dramatic moments that have to, that force people to change. Um, is that something now that almost has to happen with an athlete where there has to be a crisis, there has to be the, um, you know, the, you know, the tough, the, the five game losing streak, the, you know, making the boneheaded play where it, you know, I realize I had this epiphany that I can't make it all about me. Is that required or can this be taught? Can they, can they learn without having to go through these tough situations uh, and make that change? Well, I hope it can be taught. And, and I, I shouldn't say I hope. I know it can be taught, but I would hope that our, our coaches, so the people listening to this, you know, they, they're obviously listening to your podcast because they want to be better. Now they want to be better recruiters, but but ultimately they want to be better coaches and recruiting is a part of that. But I would hope that the coaches listening to this are like, you know what? These kids really probably don't know how to do this. We need to teach them. You know, kids, you know, there's the age old, age old, you know, question of are leaders born or, you know, is it natural or, or can they be taught this stuff? And for the most part, we're not born and we don't come out of the womb knowing how to do certain things. And so we as coaches need to teach some of our kids how to handle adversity, or we need to teach them, how do you talk to some, a teammate? How do you prepare this way? Um, for instance, if Dan and I, Dan, if, if you and I are playing the same position, and I actually had this in college, my roommate was the starting wide receiver and I was his backup wide receiver. Hmm. So, so all right, we are friends, but we play the same position. Is there going to be a culture of competitiveness between us where it helps us get better? Or is there going to be a culture of competitiveness where there's almost a, uh, uh, we're always watching our backs and we're always, well, I don't want to help Dan because he might take my spot and Dan doesn't want to help me because that might take my spot. Or, you know, you have these kids on the sidelines who are just hoping that, that uh, uh, coach yells at the kid that's out there or hoping that the kid tweaks his ankle or hoping that the kid does some boneheaded mistake. So coach will put me in. Well, that's not a team first mentality. That's not the culture that you want, but that's a natural since, I mean, since the dawn of man, we're selfish, right. we're selfish people. We have flaws, we have egos and we're self-preservation, self-preserving, you know, cavemen, we're self-preservation, self-preserving. So we have this in us. And so coaches, leaders, they have to teach other leaders or other people how to do these things, how to be a better leader, how to be more unselfish. And so, yes, I would hope that we don't have to have this, you know, we reach rock bottom before the, the light comes on or we have this aha moment. Sometimes it's going to be like that, but the best players, the best, you know, the Michael Jordans and, you know, the cream of the crop, mm -hmm. I, I don't need to name them all, but the cream of the crop, they don't wait till they hit rock bottom. They're always trying to make themselves better. And so if you can have that culture of, we're always trying to be better, but uh, yeah, coaches definitely need to try to help their young people understand that a little bit better because it's not a natural thing for them. Yeah. I, as you were going through that, uh, through that laying out the case that, that you're making, um, you talked about uh, the, you know, the 
competitiveness over position. Well, I don't want that person to take my position. It brought me back to recruiting, which a lot of coaches struggle with, you know, who do I host? Who do I have host on a, on a campus recruiting visit? Because, um, you know, our guys or our, our women on the team are going to be, you know, looking at that next player coming in as their competition. And they'll, they'll try to not, uh, you know, recruit very well or not, you know, put a good light on the school so that they, there's sort of self-preservation, just what you were talking about. Um, so I think there's great application in that whole thing, needing to be able to teach your current team how to look beyond themselves and, uh, and you know, again, foster that culture of, of competitiveness rather than something that's, you know, gets chippy and, and, you know, just, you know, backbiting and that, because that just destroys uh, culture and it doesn't build leadership. Um, I, I also want to ask, how, how is this different for those of the, the, the coaches listening? And there's a lot of them that have read um, like the bus trip, which you mentioned at the start of this conversation. And I will link to that in the podcast notes so that they can um, hear our conversation about that, uh, that book that you wrote and the applications for coaches. How is it different? How, what, what are they going to get differently out of this book than uh, not only your past book, but also what typically you would see out on the, the leadership book market? <laughs> yeah. In the bus trip, it was more, uh, I would say that that book was more designed for kids to understand that it doesn't matter what their role is. It doesn't matter what their status is. They have a response, like they can be a friend. Therefore they can be a teammate, a good teammate to their friends on the team. And they can have a little part in building a culture. Everybody on a team can influence somebody. Now I might only have one friend on my team, but uh, you know, we do a, uh, we do the leadership playbook. We have the leadership playbook, which is a membership site for coaches and ADs. And we do a survey in that. And one of the questions in the leadership playbook community, one of the questions on that survey is, is your best friend on the team? And nearly 75% of kids, their best friend is on a team, whether that's college or high school. Even during your season, it's the perfect time for preseason. What's preseason? It's the new source for coaches, athletic directors, and campus leaders who want the most advanced approach to social media, marketing, and telling the story to their prospects and recruits. Led by former college coach and marketing expert Jason Schmidt, Preseason offers colleges and programs cost-effective, next-generation marketing plans that are proven to work. Preseason is the name to remember when you're looking to tell your story more effectively on social media, your print publications, and on campus. Go to HelloPreseason.com to learn more. That's HelloPreseason.com. NCRC is back. The 2022 National Collegiate Recruiting Conference is relaunching their big summer gathering of coaches, athletic directors, and experts from college athletics. And it's all happening in beautiful Chapel Hill, North Carolina this summer, July 18th through the 20th. Will you be there, coach? It's the only source for in-person idea sharing, networking, and planning for your upcoming recruiting year. Plus, it'll feature expert speakers and coaches who will give you ideas and strategies you can't get anywhere else. To find out more about this summer's premier recruiting event, go to dantutor.com conferences. Register now to save your seat, and we'll see you there, coach. Liking what you hear on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast? Then you're going to love our special training and information site, Honey Badger Recruiting. 
It's where Dan Tudor and his team of experts answer recruiting questions, publish the latest trends and research, and give college coaches the next level training they need to connect with their prospects. Visit dantutor.com and click on the Honey Badger link to become a subscriber. And if you're already signed up, make sure you're up to date with all the latest information the Tudor Collegiate Strategies team has for you today. Again, just go to dantutor.com and click the Honey Badger link. It's your secret weapon in the nonstop battle to win the best recruits. Heading into the most challenging recruiting year of their careers, what are more and more college coaches and athletic directors using to give them an edge? ARI Recruiting. It does more than all the other recruiting contact management apps and websites do with no lag time, no lost information, and plenty of next generation features that has it beating the competition day in and day out. Oh, did I mention it's probably a lot less than what you're using now? Go to ARIRecruiting.com now, get a demo, and find out why this is the recruiting tool you've been waiting for. I would even go further and I would say it, it's probably almost 100% that everybody has a friend on the team. It might not be your best friend, but everybody has a friend. So everybody can influence somebody on that team. So that's what I would like when you read the bus trip that you take out of this is that, hey, I can influence somebody. It might just be a small subsection of this team, but it's like doing the wave at a sporting event. It starts with one person, then another person, then another person. And before you know it, 80,000 yahoos are doing the wave at a sporting event. That's how it can be on a team. And that's what we try to put forth in the bus trip. In this book, it's more of a looking in the mirror if you are in a position of leadership. And it doesn't matter if you're the stud. It doesn't matter if, if you have some kind of a title or even as a coach. It doesn't matter if you're a coach, if people aren't inspired by you. And if you're only going about it as a coach, number one, hey, why, got, why won't you guys just do what I tell you to do? be compliant followers, just do what you're supposed to do. If that's your attitude, then that will rub off. And that's not a, an, a culture. You're not building a culture there where we're all in this together. And right. so when we go back to coming back around to how do you get out of this individualistic mentality that kids have, or even parents have, well, if I, as the coach or the person in a position of leadership are constantly saying, do what I tell you to do, do what I tell you to do. Uh, creating this environment where we just want compliant followers, well, then it, we're not all in this together. This is my program. This is Jamie Beckler's program or Dan Tudor's program, and you need to quote unquote buy into it. And as we foster this kind of environment, our kids are going to pick up on that and they're naturally going to be looking out for themselves as well. And it becomes us versus them. When you have a foster an environment where we're all in this together, we win together, we lose together, we we overcome we overcome challenges together, we celebrate successes together. We're all in this together. Now you have ownership. And so, as a captain, as a star on the team, if you as a coach have fostered this environment, that's going to start to rub off on that captain. It's going to start to rub off on that star that you have. And they might not totally turn the page and flip the script and be the most unselfish player you've ever coached, but they might start high-fiving their offense alignment a little bit more. They might start, you know, uh, uh, congratulating or thanking the person that set the, a screen for them so that they could get that shot off. They might start having a little bit more of an attitude of gratitude because you've fostered that environment as the, the ultimate leader 
on the team. Now you fostered it in your other leaders and you've empowered them also to be servant leaders. You've empowered them to make others better as well. And it doesn't become just us versus them, or, you know, this is my team or, you know, just they're going to feed off of us. And that's one of the uh, principles in the book is lead by example, which on the surface, once again, seems, well, that's, that's obvious. Yes. A leader should lead by example. Yeah. But think about this for a minute. Let's say, take Dan Tudor as the coach, Dan Tudor, former football coach. All right. You, you would say, all right, I led by example. Okay. But if you're talking the team, the team, the team, are you constantly, are your actions, are your behaviors in line with those words? And most of the time as coaches, our actions and behaviors are contrary to what we're saying. You know, we say the team, the team, the team, but we're not high-fiving the last man on the bench. We're not keeping everybody engaged. We're focusing on those stars or we're focusing on the person that scored 25 points or three touchdowns. We're, we're betraying our words sometimes with our actions. And so we can do a lot to foster that within our team. And then you do that with your captains. You develop them better. And then all of a sudden, they're going to do that with the freshman on the team. They're going to do that with the sophomore on the team. And before you know it, man, Dan's just excited for my success, even though we play the same position, because that's exciting. It's, right. it, it, it's just exciting. And yeah, you know, we have to have more of an abundance mentality. And, and I don't think we always have that. It doesn't have to be a zero sum game. Now, I know in some sports, you know, in, in some sports, you know, if you're a, a, a shortstop, let's say, mm-hmm. well, you may only be able to play shortstop, maybe second base. You know, there's, there's certain sports sure. that are, are, are more specific to positions, but still you can find ways to toss people bones. You can find ways to include everybody and make everybody feel like this is their program. It's, it's our program as opposed to just coaches program. Yeah, and you mentioned leading by example and the, I guess the, you know, the times that that happens, the times that it doesn't happen as a coach and as a, uh, as a player, it would seem like for athletes who read this and just go through the thought process of maybe giving up some of the spotlight in favor of, uh, of, you know, a teammate or, you know, that right guard in, you know, in football, um, because you do have, you know, in, in, you know, football, who, who's gets the, you know, the glory is usually the quarterback and, you know, he's expected to lead and point guard. Well, she might be expected to be picking the team up because she's the leader on the court. Um, you know, and then when you get these, these other positions involved, these other event groups, you know, whatever, again, whatever your sport is, um, that's when then you probably need, you know, you almost need them to step up and, and, not only get the you know get their share of the spotlight, but but learn to be a leader um, because you it's going to build it's going to build a better program. Um, but, but that all goes to it's a long winded question. But my number one question is for an athlete who reads this, college, high school, whatever the case, you're a part of a team, and maybe you're the leader, maybe you're not the leader. What do you want them, and what was the intent of the book to to deliver to the athlete? What is the main message for them? Yeah, that no matter what your status is, no matter what your talent, that doesn't make you a leader. That doesn't make you worth worthy. The title, of the position. Respect. Yeah, it's not about titles. It's not about positions or your status or talent. 
It's about, do you inspire others? Do you make other people better? Are you the type of teammate that people would want to play with, to be around? Uh, you might be the life of the party, you know, at that Friday night party. You might have charisma. You might be a cool dude. But as a teammate, are you the kind of teammate that I really want to be around? Or am I just around you because we're friends? But man, I really don't like you as a teammate. You're really not helping us be better. You're cool. You're talented, but you're not helping me be better. You're not helping us be better. And so that's kind of what I wanted to, to hopefully that was kind of a takeaway. And, and we, we threw a number of principles out there, a number of concepts out there, but, but mainly you do have a lot of power as a star athlete. When you have a big platform, you do have a lot of power and you have a, with that comes a lot of responsibility. And it, you know, we mentioned, you know, the star quarterback gets all the press or, you know, the point guard sometimes, but, you know, they'll say, Hey, we, we want team success. They'll say that, but then what are they doing to help their teammates be better? Because none of us can do this alone. You know, we've seen even in a sport like baseball, take baseball, for instance, baseball is not as much of a team sport as let's say football is. But still, one man can't, you know, one man can't do it all in baseball. We saw Bryce Harper win the MVP award, but his team didn't make the playoffs. Now, conversely, we saw Bryce Harper be the best player in the league and leave the Washington Nationals, and then they win a World Series. But that's neither here nor there. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, interesting there. That's a that's a a blog article. But <laughs> you know, even in basketball where one player can make a huge difference, you still need other players to play supporting roles and if they don't believe in that that athlete. You know, when when a uh, I mean, I'll just call him out when LeBron James will say, you know, we need to shoot better, we need to be better at shooting the ball and J.R. Smith just went 0 for 8 in that game. There's no question who he's talking about, even though he's subtweeting and he's not mentioning his name. Well, if I'm J.R. Smith or if I'm his teammate, I'm like, well, what happens if that's me? Right. You know, what happens if I have that bad game? You know, it, it, when you have a platform, it needs to be, man, if J.R. If, if shot the ball 16 times and missed 16 times, that's all right because he's my man. He's our guy. He can shoot the ball. And you know what? He'll just bounce back the next game. I have no problem with Jr. missing shots because Jr. is a shooter. Jr. I'm glad he's on our team. You might not believe that, okay? But publicly, you got to use your platform to make your teammates better, to make them so that they are inspired by you. It can't. And and I use LeBron as an example, but there's a lot of athletes out there who they don't give confidence to their teammates. They don't give an encouraging world word. They don't congratulate. They don't, you know, you don't have to give Rolexes to your offensive linemen like a lot of quarterbacks do. You don't have to do that. But what are you doing to uh, to earn their respect? What are you doing to make them like you as a teammate? And to make them feel elevated about their role. So last question, um, and I'm going to sort of put you on the spot because I didn't give you a heads up for this, but we're talking about leadership principles and lessons in leadership. What is the best greatest leadership lesson that you learned just in your athletic and coaching experience as a player, as a coach, um, what, what comes to mind? What, what, I think we all have these moments. Um, give us one of yours. 
Well, I'll give you two. And one is more of a general, but my first uh, head coaching experience, uh, I ended up getting resigned after four <laughs> years, um, which most of the people listening to this can understand that. Uh, you know, you technically don't get fired, but you get resigned. Right. They're going to allow you to take your talents elsewhere. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, just I was I was not I was young, thought I knew it all. And I cared about my players, but I didn't, they didn't know that I cared. And it was, even though I was big into leadership, it was about leadership. So my culture looked good. So my program looked good. So people would say, oh, Jamie's teams, they do it the right way. But it was always about Jamie's teams. And so it, it was about me, even though I was big into leadership, I still didn't get that concept of it's not about me. It's about them. It's about the people. Mm -hmm. It's about making other people better. So that was a huge, and, and that was one of those wake up calls where I, I pretty much had to be resigned. I yeah. had to be fired in order to, to understand that I had been going about it wrong. Right. Um, as an athlete, uh, I was a captain on one of my teams in college and, uh, I missed the bus and, uh, that that was kind of a wake up call in terms of it doesn't matter if I'm a captain, I'm not above the team. And, and the bus uh, is going to leave. The bus is going to leave um, <laughs> if it's a good program. You know, they're, they're not going to put up with it doesn't matter who it is. And, it, and, and, and in fact, I, I wish that I had heard the story of the dream team. Uh, this was after the dream team, but I wish I had heard the story of the dream team. They had one rule, the 1992 Olympic basketball team, one mm -hmm. rule was always be on time. That was their one rule on the team. And nobody was ever late to the bus. So all these prima donnas or all these, you know, hall of famers, the, the, the story goes that the latest anyone that was ever late for the bus was 10 minutes early. Mm. <laughs> nobody was ever late for the bus. And Michael Jordan was always one of the first ones on the bus. I wish I had heard that story previously before yeah. I went to college. Because that was just indicative of, you know, sometimes when we're in a position of leadership or we're a star, we think, all right, the bus will wait for us. Um, and, and here's these dream teamers. They, you know, they, they abided by that rule because they respected each other. But also, I'm not above that. And, and uh, I'll give you the one more story about buses. I yeah. was coaching at a school and we had this All-American on the men's side. I was coaching women. He was an amazing, absolutely amazing player, amazing, talented player. He was always late. We were always waiting for him, always waiting for him. The, we would not leave. Now, I didn't have tremendous say because we, we shared a bus. The men and the women shared the bus. We were always waiting for him. Well, he graduates and he's in the G League, the NBA G League. First, very first game, he misses. He's late for the plane. He's late for the plane. They take off. He gets cut the next day. Wow. I ended up talking to him, you know, a couple months later. And he was like, you know what? I never thought about that before, but, you know, I need to get my act together. And mm. that was the wake up call he needed. But he had bad habits. He expected people to wait on him because he was talented or he had this status. And and we just kind of enabled him throughout the years. And eventually he got cut from the G league because he missed one. He made one mistake and, and now he's played about 15 or 16 years now overseas. And he's kind of gotten his act together and he's made a good living for himself, but he had to kind of hit that rock bottom, getting cut from the G league by just being in a position of, of power or a position of leadership, thinking that 
people owe you something or you need to be served or I'm going to be first in line, you know, or I don't need to carry the bag of balls or, or set up cones because I'm this or I'm that. And I think that's the why the book is important because that happens every day on hundreds of college campuses uh, every afternoon and evening <laughs> continually throughout the year. Well, how many seniors do we have that'll say, well, I've paid my dues or I've, I've been here four years. I deserve X, Y, and Z, or I've earned this or whatever, or I, it's my turn to be first in line now. And it's like, well, what kind of culture are we creating when we, you know, is it any wonder that we now have a selfish athlete on the basketball court or the soccer pitch? If we're, if we're uh, fostering an attitude where, well, it's all about seniority. It's all about your position or status. Well, then we're not going to have a, co- a cohesive team working together for everybody's good, which ultimately, you know, for most of the coaches listening to this, there's got to be some kind of a winning edge or a competitive edge. What is that edge that's going to set you apart? And a lot of times we all have some sort of talent. We all have talent. You know, and, uh, you know, I think of I worked with the Toronto Raptors a few years ago in the offseason. And they won the world championship. They beat the Golden State Warriors. Well, the Golden State Warriors were loaded with, with high-end talent. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Okay, but they all got, and, and Kevin Durant, but they all got hurt. The thing Toronto had was they had depth. They had more depth than Golden State did. And so they were able to withstand you know, the, the injuries or the wear and tear, and they were able to win a world championship because they didn't just have superior talent, but they had superior depth and they had a, a, a culture that believed in one another. And that year, the amazing thing about that team, that Toronto Raptors team is that their starters played the least amount of minutes of any team in the NBA. So their bench was ready from the regular season. They were ready and they had a culture where, you know, a Kyle Lowry, would be like, you know what, I'm okay with not playing as much because I know that's developing Fred Van Vliet. And Fred Van Vliet is going to play a key role for us at some point. We don't know when that'll be, but I believe in him. He believes in me. And together, we're going to achieve something that maybe people didn't think were possible. And so that's a co- that's intentional for coaches. How are you going to develop your culture like that? And if it's about you, if it's about status, if it's about position, then ultimately you may fall short um, of your goals. And that's how the conversation wrapped up with Coach Jamie Beckler, author of The Captain, a great new book for coaches and their teams. So many good principles that he laid out in that conversation. But also, uh, if you want to go deeper into those, you got to buy the book. And you can get that at jamiebeckler.com. You can also, of course, look up the book on your favorite bookseller, Amazon.com. It's on all the big ones. And the great thing, again, I'll say it one more time, is that this is for the entire team. This is something that your group can work through together, talk about together, and it's going to change the way your natural leaders are going to look at their roles, and it's going to also develop more of a team concept that you can uh, work around. And all done telling a very creative story that is uh, kind of a sports story, but it also approaches it in a non-sports way, as we heard Coach Beckler talk about. So anyway, take a look at that. JamieBeckler.com is the website you can go to for everything that he does as well as the book. And folks, we really appreciate you listening to the podcast. A lot of good stuff planned for the year ahead as we wrap up 2021. So we thank you for listening. Please tell other coaches in your department about it. Go on to 
Apple, uh, Spotify, all the places you listen to it, and give us a rating, five star, preferably. You leave a comment. We love that, and that helps us get noticed by other coaches. So we want to grow the community and support each other in this endeavor. So we thank you for listening. There's going to be more good stuff ahead, so keep listening to the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. The College Recruiting Weekly Podcast is a production of Tudor Collegiate Strategies. For more information on everything we provide college coaches, athletic directors, and the rest of your campus, visit dantutor.com. Thanks for listening, coach.